One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, What is it, teacher? A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, to whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women whom he, he had healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's story doesn't um, can't help but remind me of my opportunity to go cross culturally um, around the world. Basically, about ten years ago, I had the opportunity to go to India with my church in New York City. And everywhere we traveled during those three weeks in India, we were greeted by different groups or churches, um, welcomed into their homes or welcomed into the church. And we were greeted with this same ritual almost everywhere that we went. And the ritual involved um, a greeting, a a, a verbal greeting. um, And then usually a woman would come up and give us a garland around our necks and kiss our cheeks. And then very often, also, they would mark our foreheads with um, a sign culturally for them that meant welcome. Um, 
So all of this, this three-part welcome, there were some additional pieces, some places we went and other places um, might have varied how they did this ritual. But everywhere we went, this was the way of saying, we welcome you, you are our honored guest, and we are honored that you've come to our home, to our church, to our town. And so this kind of honor is something that's very important to the gospel passage that, we, that I just read. Um, there, Jesus has come to dinner at the home of a Pharisee. He's been invited, um, and this is a festival dinner, a festive occasion. And Jesus, along with, we find out later on, there are other guests, recline at table. And in that day and age, you would, um, the way you would eat was that your head was close to the table and your feet were out behind you. It's sort of like a wheel with spokes. Each person, each guest was like a spoke in the wheel. And their heads were all together and they could reach the table from where they were. And that was the ancient way of eating. No tables like we have today. Um, so there Jesus is reclining at the table eating. And a woman comes up to him. And she does the most unusual thing. It appears as though she has come with the goal of anointing him with this costly ointment. This alabaster jar that she has is full of a special perfume, a costly perfume. This kind of perfume was what a Jewish woman would wear around her neck. Almost every Jewish woman, certainly of means, would wear this around her neck. And um, it was very special to them. And... So here she comes, apparently with this goal of pouring out this ointment on Jesus as a way of honoring him. And she gets there, and she doesn't do, at first, what she came to do. She appears to be overcome by an uncontrollable emotion. She's weeping, and her tears bathe our Lord's feet. She has come in just very, just at the very fringe of the circle. And her tears bathe Jesus' feet. And as she realizes what she's doing, she um, probably unbound her hair. For women wore their hair completely up. She takes her hair down. Maybe she didn't have a towel or a way of drying his feet. But she honors him even more by drying his feet with her hair. Now, in the ancient world, feet were not the cleanest part of your body. I don't know if you've ever walked around in sandals all day long anywhere. Anywhere. I don't care where you are. It must be, even if it's all paved, if you're walking around in sandals by the end of the day, your feet are kind of, you know, sometimes you might take a little bath before you get in bed, you know, or whatever. Um, In that day and age, it was dusty. It was dry. Um, There were animals of all sorts everywhere. And feet were not the cleanest things, especially at the end of the day, and so much so that it was forbidden for um, a Jewish person to be required by their employer or their master, if they were a slave, to wash someone's feet. That was something that no Jewish slave was required to do. They, were, they got off on that, that one task, that most menial and humble of tasks. And yet here is this woman attending to Jesus' feet, whether intentionally, whether she came in expecting to cry, but I think not. But there she is weeping and then wiping his feet with her hair. And then she goes on to even anoint his feet with this costly and beautiful ointment, this perfume that she has carried with her, probably around her neck. Her gift to Jesus 
is one that is costly. That perfume was expensive. It was probably her prized possession. And this was a costly gift socially. For a woman to walk into a gathering like this, not only any woman, but a woman like her, a notorious woman, a sinner in the words of the host, probably someone that uh, would not be welcome in society anywhere, but certainly not in this man's home. Women in general weren't necessarily welcome. By her entering his home, she makes it ritually unclean, according to the Jewish customs. So her act requires not just the cost, financially and socially, but it requires great courage on her part. And it shows this act of great courage and costliness and humility. It shows the extent of her gratitude. Because we find out why she has come. We find out that she has encountered Jesus previously. And it is through her prior encounter with Jesus that she has come to some kind of freedom. Some kind of relief and release. And Jesus even says exactly what that is. That she has, through Jesus, experienced the forgiveness of her sins. That he has pronounced her sins forgiven um, in some way before. And that is what draws her. She comes back. She must see this man again. She must give him this most expensive and costly of gifts. She loves him because he first loved her. She has, perhaps, experienced real love for the first time in her life. And she responds. And what a beautiful way in which she responds. Jesus goes on. (laughs) As she's doing this act, he hears the thoughts of the Pharisee, of his host, Simon. He knows that he's wondering about this woman and wondering about Jesus' own position and role as a prophet. Well, he couldn't be a prophet if he knew what kind of woman was touching him. If he knew what she she was um, doing to his reputation. Jesus shows that he is in fact a prophet by reading this man's thoughts and answering them. It says literally, he answered him. And then he tells him a parable. I love this because here we have such a great setting around the parable. We see this short, brief parable. And we see the situation that Jesus is addressing by telling this story. He tells the story of two debtors. One owes a great sum of money. The other a smaller sum. And the person um, who is owed the money looks at those who owe him and says, forget about it. Your debt is clear. Now you don't have to pay your credit card bill. It's over. It's done with. It doesn't matter anymore. I've forgiven it. I've canceled the debt that you have with me. And he says, Which of these two loves more? Which of these two will love the person who has forgiven the debt more? And of course, Simon then, what does he respond? But he responds correctly that the person who has been forgiven more, the person who owed more, is in some ways freer from a greater debt. And that freedom brings gratitude. 
And the gratitude brings love. And so you might ask, well, what is the Christian life like? Why? Um, and this one passage will tell us, I do think, that every act of devotion that we as believing Christians do, every gift that we might give to God, whether it's an act of worship like this evening, whether it's an act of service of someone in need, whether it's um, volunteering in church or um, helping someone out, bringing a meal to someone in need, um, whether it's a monetary gift, anything that we give to God is really, in fact, a response to everything it is that he has given to us in Jesus Christ. And so that is why, you might ask, why do we say that confession of sin every Sunday? Why do we do that? We do that to remind ourselves, um, to revisit and look again at our lives and to say, is there something else, Lord? There's something else I haven't seen. Is there something else I know about or something I've missed this week? Sin, often, I've used this um, description before, but sin, I find, is a greatly analogized by kudzu or oriental bittersweet. But in New England, where I, when I lived in this one apartment in Amherst, Massachusetts, I looked out my back door and there was this, I finally had a lawn, I don't know, if you know what that's like, when you finally get along, you've been in, living in apartments and no space of your own, you finally get your own space and you want to make it your own. Well, I made this backyard by, my own by pulling up all the weeds that had grown up over the years in this neglected garden. And I pulled down some vines that were on the house that were going to tear the house down that were doing damage. And I pulled up this one orange root all over the lawn. And the orange root was called Oriental Bittersweet. I don't know if you've ever done any kind of weeding, which weeding is so satisfying, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It gets a lot out. But you pull up the weed, and you pull up that root, and you have to pull it up by the root, right? If you don't, then the root will send out another shoot, and then you'll have just that surface of the weed again. You can't just pull out the surface. You have to go to the root. Well, I would say that um, even once the garden has been weeded and you've sort of set things straight, as Christians, the roots are still there. We still sometimes might look out our window, as I did one day in that apartment in Amherst, and we'll see um, that weed coming back up. I looked out one day and I saw this little tiny sapling, and this oriental bittersweet, this new branch, had just sprung up, and this vine was twirling all the way around that little baby sapling. And I just thought, I better go out and take care of that right now, because I'll forget otherwise. I went out and ripped it up by its roots. But I kept my eyes open because I knew that there would be another weed another day. That is why uh, we revisit our sins, why we look again and say, what is it in me, Lord God? Is there anything that I've done or thought or said? What would you have me repent of today? And so that is one of the things that Jesus is doing when he says, do you see this woman? She bathed my feet, but you did not. She kissed me, but you did not. She anointed me, but you did not. This man had neglected the very basics, the very cultural basics for that day and age of what it meant to welcome and host a guest, what it meant to honor someone who came into your home. He had transgressed the very basic, fundamental, cultural um, way of bringing honor to this man and this teacher, Jesus. And Jesus is pointing out, you who think that you are without sin, 
Are you really so clean? Have you looked far enough? Have you asked God to show you? He said, she who is forgiven much loves much. We are forgiven much. And so we can love much. And it is that love and that gratitude that fuels everything we do. And that is why we revisit it every week. So let's continue in worship. Amen.